In a stunning display of ingenuity, a New York City steakhouse has borrowed several wax figures from Madame Tussauds to fill some of the seats required to remain vacant due to social distancing mandates. As art imitates life, no one has elected to sit with the Jimmy Fallon dummy. Or his wax facsimile, for that matter. Well, if you wanted honesty... You've come to the wrong place. This is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. And we are no longer an In Separate Rooms podcast. (gasps) Yes. Shane and I are in the same room, breathing the same filtered air. Mmm. Tasty. Super, super filtered. (laughs) Yeah, you tell them. Yeah, fuck you, libtards. <laughs> Does that need a sensor? I don't think it needs. <laughs> John, John farted in my butthole. A fart transplant. I had a fart transplant earlier. <sighs> I, I think I'll let that one play. I think that one deserves to. Stay. It's been diluted sure. so much from its original meeting that I feel like they're. When you say from its from its original meeting? Meaning, yeah. Oh, well, it's very well meaning. And plus, I, I've, we all have heard that I'm, I'm fairly far from being someone who's an alt-right uh, elitist over here. Uh, it's uh, pretty well documented. There are several rants on this very podcast to that effect, as I recall. So, Even though this is not a visual platform, we should acknowledge real quick that Courtney's haircut looks fantastic. <laughs> show, us that, show us that fade, girl. Thank you. I was going to say, I'm a little upset because that's the exact same haircut I have on my shoulders. Because <laughs> I'm trimmed on the neck up top, and then it just fades into my very long, dangly, you know, back hair. So it's, it's uh, you and I are rocking the same style, girl. Well, I just really wanted to be able to empathize um, with you better, Shane. And that's why I opted to shave that half of my head. I appreciate that. Yeah. I now did. you know how it feels. <laughs> Yes, the waking up and being like, what happened to my hair? And I imagine that's what it's like for you every morning, so. No, it hasn't been, you know, it's been 20 years since I've had hair. So, I mean, it's I've, I've never really missed it. <laughs> I think you'd be more surprised to find hair than not find hair. Yes, certainly. <laughs> I do have it's, a fun uh... update for you guys. <gasps> oh, really? So, I played, like, a clip of the podcast for one of my sisters, and oh, no. Shane's voice comes on, and immediately she's like, oh, that's a oh. really nice voice. I like that. And I'm oh. like, um, you need to calm down. Excuse me. <laughs> oh. How old's your sister? Um, 20. Oh, okay. Then we're all consensual. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And it was just I... so funny, because she was just like, I could listen to this. He has a nice voice. I want to put Shane's voice through a subwoofer, like an actual sub, and put it right to my crotch when I go to sleep. <sighs> we are so not we can... reenacting a Howard Stern episode again, John. I'm sorry. We can't. Just so he can just hum my balls while I fall asleep. <laughs> hum me to sleep. Gently okay. rock me and my balls. Well, I would ask what your sister's name is so I could give her a shout out, but Melissa has been on record as saying she doesn't like to share. So I'm going to leave that where it lay. And Fair. I'm a good boy. Yeah. Good boy. I'm a good boy. I, oh. I, will, I will not acknowledge that other people might fancy my voice and not my visual aesthetic presentation. So... 
I do have a face that was made for radio. It's certifiable. We've discussed this. But you have a beard that was made for sitting on. That's what they say. That's <laughs> what John yells. <laughs> Indeed. So the funny thing is, I was as we were returning over here, because John was en route to my home, I was en route to my home, and I had a very weird moment of zen in traffic, and John's going to be able to attest to this. So in now, you know, years of us being a band, I am kind of the designated wheelman for Dam. Uh, whenever we go on a lengthy trip, it is usually me that is driving, and not just because I'm the only one who doesn't drink in the cadre, <laughs> oh, okay. though that largely <laughs> contributes. I was thinking that. <laughs> but I've got this interesting philosophy that you drive how you are as a person. Yeah. So I tend to be pretty even keel. I'm kind of mellow. I just do my own thing. I want to drive the speed I want to drive. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. I just want to get where I'm going. That's really it. If someone cuts me off, I usually don't get upset. It's just kind of like, oh, well, I guess that person's made the decision to be a dumbass, so I'll just have to endure this. And then there's the guy who revved up from behind me where three lanes merged down to two lanes, and they did 70 miles an hour to get past eight cars and then almost crash into somebody to veer over in front of them on a 45-mile-an-hour street. And I was like, that's an asshole. I'm fairly certain if you know that person in private life, they're the dick who walks into a restaurant without a mask on and goes like, why? I had to like walk eight feet before I sit down and take the fucking thing off again. Those are the people who walk home and, you know, when you're trying to have sex with them, they're just like, listen, I didn't get off last time. And if I'm not getting off, then this whole process is not worth getting into. So you can just go jerk off again, John. I will. Uh, yeah, they call that a tip-to-tail piece of shit. That's uh-huh. what they call that. Yes, mm-hmm. a sack of shit, in fact. Um, and I Ooh. agree with you that you definitely drive how you are as a person. And I would think, I would say I'm probably down the middle, too. Although now that I have, like, I'm not used, I wasn't used to having a commute. Because before I was driving five minutes to and from work, and that's not really a commute. That's just mm-hmm. stumble. Uh, but now that I'm driving, like, 20, 25 minutes each way, I've become a little more aggressive, and much to your... I'm sure you guys are going to like this. Uh, I like to troll people if they're fucking with me. Oh, um, so I, I, I would have never guessed. I remember uh, there's a habit of my sister's... Uh, there, There is a behavior that my sister cannot stand in other drivers, and that's like when you're on a highway, and you're trying to go to the next lane over, or like someone's just too slow... For, for you in front of you, essentially getting boxed in. She doesn't like to get boxed in, and she also doesn't like... She, the main thing she doesn't like... I'm fucking stumbling. Nobody like, puts Kristen in a in a corner, is what you're saying. No, unless you got bloody panties somewhere. God um, damn. <laughs> as long as they aren't hers, that's, that's all she needs. Yeah, that's the main thing. And mm-hmm. they're being sold to Michael. <laughs> yep. It's bad, no expense. Um... She hates when people will speed up after being slow, after she's trying to pass them. Does uh-huh. that make sense? Yes, because yeah. you're, you know, now you're just being an asshole. Yeah. 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 So, like, someone's riding your ass, and then they go to start passing you, and then you speed up so that they can't pass you. I do that probably 17 times a day <laughs> now, and it fucking, it makes my heart so happy. And Becky's been in the car with me recently, and Kristen, and both of them are like, you're, or I don't think Kristen would say anything, but Becky definitely was like, you get some sick satisfaction with fucking with people, don't you? I was like, absolutely I do. I know that the person behind me or the person in front of me that I ruined at least five minutes of their day, and that makes me feel very good. 
Okay, I, I, uh, I'm going to let the other two members of this podcast speak for a second uh, once we get there. But I have an example where Melissa would be uh, say I was remiss if I didn't include that uh, just because I say I'm fairly even keel. I still have that sadistic streak in me. When we were first dating, there was an asshole that was bouncing back and forth between lanes behind us as we were cruising up. And to my right is someone with a horse trailer. And then there's me over in the left lane. And this person is desperately weaving back and forth between the two lanes, trying to find a way to get around the horse carrier. So I just kept slowing down to stay neck and neck with the horse carrier. I actually went two miles out of my way to stay in front of this person. We were trying to get on the freeway. I went past the freeway on ramp and just kept driving in front of that person to torment them for another mile and a half. And then I put my hazards on and gently floated over into the turn lane to make a U-turn. And then that person sped by and Melissa's like, did you seriously just drive out of the way just to piss that guy off? I was like, mm-hmm. felt good, didn't it? Oh my God. I almost came. <laughs> How about you, Cordy and Michael? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you guys vindictive when you drive or what? I, I yell at people, usually when they drift into my lane in front of me, which happened, I was in Tempe today, so uh, probably sure 10 or 13 times. Tempe, yes, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> tempura. The, yes, Tempura, I was in the city <laughs> of Tempura. Arizona. <laughs> Within a mile span, I had one person drift in front of me when they were trying to, like, weave around a particular construction uh, and then i had two people forget that they weren't trying to make a left turn there and so they immediately merged back in when i wanted to get in that lane and then i had another person try and jaywalk in front of me and only missed me by about five feet uh so i usually drive very angrily in tempe for obvious reasons and uh but i won't go out of my way to piss someone off if if it is along my route I will happily do so because I feel, you know, if you're trying to drive 20, 30 over where everyone else is, you can't, you got to go with traffic. That's the whole yeah. idea. That's, that's how Arizona judges speed limits. You, you go, go in, exactly. You go in 20 over. Is everyone else going 20 over? All right. You're fine. That's, that's Grand Avenue for you. But I won't go two miles out of my way just to piss someone off. I, I, no. I don't care. I don't like being in the car. <laughs> Because I've lived in Tempe for so long, if I'm in the car, chances are someone's trying to hit me, so I don't want to. So I'll well, get to my destination and call it that. But. Michael, if you drive like you live, then I imagine that you are constantly veering in and out of different lanes, never actually making a decision on a direction you're going and impeding everybody else's flow. <laughs> I will say every time I merge into another lane because I think it's faster it ends up being the slower lane. That's um, mostly your jokes, yeah. I'm it, it, it it occurs probably, I'd say, 80, 90% of the time. Um, and then every time I get onto an on-ramp, I scare my girlfriend who has to grab the handle. Uh, the, uh, what is it called? I the think oh it's shit the oh handle. shit bar. Yeah. The, or yeah, or yeah, the yeah, Jesus yeah. handle, depending upon, uh, you know, who you're riding with. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I, I don't go the speed limit on those off-ramps, or on-ramps, but... I'm not, you know, dragging. I'm not drift turning or anything like that. It's not Mario Kart. Tokyo Drift so, over here. Yeah, exactly. Courtney, but what about you? Uh, what do you do in that kiwi colored box of fury <laughs> that you call a Kia Soul? Oh yeah, I I use the the Soul to its most extreme extent, and will do whatever I can to box somebody in who is upsetting me. Especially because I don't really go anywhere anymore, and I don't go anywhere in a hurry, so I have all the time in the world to just, you know. <laughs> 
I think that you would follow somebody all the way to where they're going. Like, not just two miles. I feel like that you would, like, if they're going to Texas, and that was just where, like, you'd be at the every gas station that they stopped at until they got to their final destination. Stepping out of a car with a hatchet in your hand, going like, hey. Oh, fancy running you. into you here. Yeah, yeah I guess I do have I that energy, don't I? Uh, I bet you I mean, got unleaded. Michael you a box of bees, so... I feel like, yeah, if, if someone cut you off and you're like, I got two days, I'll follow him. Why not? I just, I just heard about this uh, movie uh, on, on YMH Today uh, called Unhinged with Russell Crowe, and I haven't watched it yet, but the plot sounds very similar to who we're painting Courtney to be. <laughs> you want to know what's funny? And um, because we've established this, I love my father dearly, but uh, like John's dad, he'll never hear this podcast. Um, I saw the trailer to that movie and I went, oh, fuck, it's my dad's autobiography. <laughs> so essentially... He uh, defines road rage, as we've said. It's it's called the road rage movie. Uh huh. So Russell Crowe gets cut off by somebody. This is all just things that I I heard. I haven't seen the trailer. I haven't even even it's seen anything. Uh, but apparently Russell Crowe gets cut off by a woman or a woman and her kid, and he goes up. And he's like, "Hey, do you want to apologize for this?" And she's like, "No, I did nothing wrong." And then he just is hell bent on ruining her life in incremental steps from there on out. Mm-hmm. And oh apparently my God. it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I imagine yeah. it probably ends or has plenty of murder in it there are a lot of explosions uh in the trailer and uh russell crowe actually put on a bunch of weight to yeah, play the yeah, role yeah. as well which is why i was like oh my god he Speaking saw a picture of, of ghastly, my dad he and he's like ghastly in those pictures if you, if you google <laughs> russell crowe and unhinged it's very, um very bad. if you let like a deer carcass settle into a ravine and just soak up uh, a decent amount of lake water for about a month and a half that's what russell crowe looks like in this, in this movie so it's good times for all involved Anyway, so that's the energy that Courtney has behind the wheel of the car. <laughs> you know, it's Unhinged. funny is I'm actually a really cautious driver, except I am a, like slightly night blind. And so that can get a little a little touch and go. But like, I've never actually like caused an accident. I've been like rear-ended before, but it wasn't my fault. So this is like, Jonah. <laughs> it's called a honeymoon. Yeah. But like... I'm a very good driver, unless you do something that's just very annoying, and I've got time, and then you're in for it. So I did look up Russell Crowe, unhinged, weight gain, and Isn't I looked pretty, at Google Images. Ghastly, right? He looks like, if you guys know who Dan Harmon is? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I know who Dan Harmon is. He looks like Dan Harmon, and Russell Crowe normally doesn't look like Dan Harmon at all. So but essentially... Yet- Going from being someone who is in relatively good health and shape to being a very overweight alcoholic. Yes. I I, I got flashbacks to, and I hadn't seen the movie because you guys will judge me anyway, but uh, Avengers Endgame, the Thor, uh, I, I'm completely uh, we know you're t- we hemorrhaging. We know what you're talking about now. Yes. Yeah. Between <laughs> Fat Thor and Normal Thor. Um, that was the kind of like, that, that popped in my head for a quick second there. It was that jarring. Yes. It's reasonable. Yes. Mm-hmm. From gladiator to gladiate everything on the table. Speaking of uh, things going into or flying out of our mouths, what we typically do on this podcast is we will dive into a random esoteric topic, and in the course of explaining it to one another, we will leaven in the occasional lie, uh, just to keep things interesting. It's then incumbent upon the other co-hosts to ferret out the fact from fiction in order to get non-applicable points and win (laughs) for once, which 
has yet to happen. We've, we really don't have no the uh, official winner here yet. But uh, this evening, we are going to discuss something which uh, we're staying on the paranormal binge, which we typically do. And I'm uh, going into something that uh, my dear friend and lover, Dan Aykroyd, shared with me a few months back on a podcast. Uh Uh-oh. The Marfa Lights. (gasps) Ooh. And so I have a video that I snagged off of YouTube, which I then shared with John, and we'll have a look at here whilst we're all here so you can get an idea of what it is that I'm going to be referring to. Because I feel like for context, it helps to kind of see what it is that we're going to to get into. Yeah. You guys see this? We can indeed. Yes. (laughs) And we'll have, you know, some non-trademarked audio here. But uh, it's just some good old Texas folk having a, a grand old time out on the prairie and, and filming the uh, mysterious lights in Marfa, Nine Texas. Nine miles east of Marfa, Saturday, Indeed. May 18th, 2013. Wait, then why are they called Marfa lights if it's not... Nine miles east of Marfa. I mean, they're filming from nine miles east, but I mean, oh. it's it's taking place in and around Marfa. So these so, are what these little anomalies are. Looks those, like uh, those were lights. Looks like little tiny lights going off in Tatooine. <laughs> uh, you'll never see a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. So Luke's got R two D two like fully inflamed on the back oh, of the wow. land speeder. That's Gotta the thing fast. is like these weird solar flares kind of pop up, which is fun. Huh. Well, this is just four people watching a video in silence. <laughs> Indeed, but uh, we also have you know weird Texans going, "Oh wow, I can't that was amazing." So anyway, cool. yeah, that's all we needed to see. But uh, I, I just felt like, yeah, it's it's helpful so that you don't just you know think that I'm saying that people are flashing flashlights out in the desert somewhere. But uh, questions before we get started: uh, Is that a lie? And they actually were in fact just flashing flashlights somewhere. No. Oh, okay. How many lies? There are eight lies this evening. Whoa! Now, here's the thing. I, I am deciding to change up my usual pattern of lies, so I want you to, to have a little bit of a different experience this time, and so I, I did more lies, but I have a feeling it's going to amount to less. So, I want you to have more opportunity to get things right by guessing wildly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Isn't that how it usually turns out where you we think, try but something not different? Really. Oh, okay. uh, because as evidenced by your two lies last week, one of which John caught 10 seconds after you started speaking. And the other one was kind of bullshit. <laughs> I decided to diversify my portfolio a bit more because y'all are starting to wake up when we do these things. Huh? And I, I want to be the enemy of the active listener. This is oh. the first uh, Michael and John Sobercast. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Drink during recording, so we'll see if this helps or not. You're catering to the audience. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't compute that. That that makes no sense to me. Yeah, that's well, obvious to like anyone who's you heard have, you speak. Yeah, when, when you have 500 million listeners strong like we do, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you need to start giving a little bit of fan service, especially since we're approaching 100 episodes. To digress immediately, because this is what we always do. <laughs> Steven actually asked me that. I was showing him some of the stuff Steven. from YouTube, which has fun. I also he's he's upset at me because he's a character on this podcast without <laughs> wanting to be. <laughs> I, I'm also like you have your own catchphrase and everything, and it's not even you. It's just when I announce your name, everyone has to go Steven. <laughs> but uh, I was showing him some of these things and uh, mentioning our episode count since we are now at episode 84, crawling into this, and we're going to be 
unveiling some new artwork for episode 100, I think would probably be a good idea to, Ooh, to actually yeah. whip that out yeah, at yeah, that yeah. time since we're encroaching on an anniversary. Sounds fair to me. So Stephen's like, how does it feel to have produced that much content over the course of a while? I was like, I don't think we've all sat back and actually contemplated the am- amount of time we've invested in this silly little project. What is content anyway? <laughs> you wouldn't know it if it slapped you in the fucking dick. I don't That's know, Michael. Why does, I a, have uh, to ask. does a collector collect? How does one approach the sunset? Um, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome, son so, of a bitch. Before you dive in, I'll answer it with: I had a similar thought uh, earlier last week because I'm listening to some early last pod episodes. And I was listening to like, I think there are, I think I was listening to like episode 90 or 96, doesn't matter, somewhere in the 90s. And they're on probably four, they're in the 450s now. Um, And I was just thinking contextually of like, holy shit, like listening to episode 90 of Last Pod and then listening to episode 450, like the huge difference, but also it still feels cohesive. It kind of gave me some perspective that, you know, we could do this for for the foreseeable future. It's probably going to feel the same. I'm not really not going to reflect too much. You know, it's just, this is a part of my week now. Like, this is what we do. You know, mm-hmm. we catch up, yeah, we talk true. shit, and we lie to each other, so. Yeah. As, as a, you know, for context, and this is, you know, it's not even close to a humble brag. It's just, you know, we used to joke about creating content for YouTube. And when we eventually elected to even start doing the After Darks, we're like, eh, people probably won't watch this. And it's like the first few episodes of After Dark are well in excess of 100 views, which considering... <laughs> We we were not expecting them to get anywhere near that, and we are rapidly just continuing to grow people checking those videos out, which just stymies me that Galrilla Godot is that popular now, but it's a real thing. Yeah, you have to measure success. like It's subjective to what your, your actual goals are. So if the goal was to have five people watch or listen, then we've succeeded. And uh, if the goal is to but have six, if the goal is to have maybe a billion, then we, we've kind of failed. But we're, we're halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Living on every a, week. No. Whoa. Lemon on a pear. <laughs> I mean, with with all the extensive advertising that we've done for this show, I mean, I can see why we're thriving. Anywho. So, yeah, it was just a, a fun little bit of reflection we had this afternoon since we're on the topic. But here we are. Eight lies for the Marfa lights this evening. Whew. You're welcome. All right. Marfa's official slogan is tough to get to, tougher to explain. Bullshit. once you get here, you get it. Oh, sorry. I I jumped. Bullshit now? Michael, as per usual, your timing is bloody impeccable. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not even going to acknowledge your shtick anymore. I'm just going to move on. (laughs) Okay, fine. No, it wasn't a lie, you dumb (laughs) son of a bitch. So... Fittingly, a series of strange events has transformed this tiny town in the middle of nowhere into a place like nowhere else. The subheading for this is part Texas, part Brooklyn, part Mars. (laughs) 50 miles from the Mexican border and 200 miles from the nearest major airport, Marfa is a dusty dot of a town with one traffic light and fewer than 2,000 people in the remote reaches of the far west Texas known as El Despoblado, or the Uninhabited. 
Beyond the town's steel water tower, the Chihuahuan Desert unfurls toward the horizon in an endless expanse of cactus scrubs, scorched prairie, and tangled tumbleweeds amidst one of the U.S.'s last frontiers. Since the 1970s, a wave of hipsters, artists, and urban transplants have blown in with the winds and turned this unassuming ranching town into an unlikely avant-garde mecca. Today, Marfa is a quirky collision of saloons and espresso bars, 10-gallon hats and berets, feed stores, and vegan restaurants. Bullshit, there's no vegan restaurants anywhere. Oh, there are vegan restaurants all over this place. We even talked about that. There's a whole cult behind one. Shut up, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) But long before Marfa began attracting the unconventional, people were coming to witness the inexplicable. For more than 135 years, mysterious glowing orbs have appeared here in the night sky. Known as the Marfa Lights, these otherworldly wonders remain one of the most unexplained mysteries in the United States. So what are the Marfa lights? Has it have they really been viewed for 135 years? Mm-hmm. Wow. Just That's wait, I'll cool. unfurl the story for you. Ooh. Johnny, come quickly. <sighs> yes, I'm I, already I, done. I, do. I hope you finished. You can see it on you can see it on my OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> coming deep down in your larynx there, bud. You okay? Whoa. That we had a, a little uh, post pre-show entertainment, so it kind of. I'm sorry, I should have held back. I should have taken pictures. <laughs> I asked, and you did not. It deliver. sounds like you should have swallowed, actually. But I'm <laughs> can't keep gargling it for hours, my friend. You're going to choke on that. It's a waste of good seed. <laughs> well, they need some seeds in Marfa. There's nothing but scrub brush. Uh, I don't want no scrubs. That's why I shaved. So. According to noted paranormal investigator Oswald Spengler, the Marfa lights of West Texas have been called many names over the years, such as ghost lights, weird lights, mystery lights, or chinati lights. I'm going to say that weird lights and chinati lights are bullshit. You would be wrong on both counts. Well, I'll fuck myself. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I, I, what, the second I read that list, I was like, they're going to think I made weird lights up, but <laughs> nope, that is a for real thing. Huh. The favorite place from which to view the phenomena is a widened shoulder on Highway 90, about nine miles east of Marfa, hmm. as we alluded to in the video. So it's not technically in Marfa proper. It's kind of out in the outskirts over by Larry Leroy's house. Oh, so it's the, never mind. <sighs> out on the edge of town yeah. on, yes indeed where the angels lie old woman josie's house out by the airport uh so the lights are most often reported as distant spots of brightness distinguishable from ranch lights and automobile headlights on highway 67 which is between marfa and presidio to the south primarily by their aberrant movements Referring to the Marfa Lights View Park east of Marfa, James Bunnell, who I don't know who the hell James Bunnell is, but he he said this. You might just see mysterious orbs of light suddenly appear above desert foliage. These balls of light mirror my stationary as they pulse on and off with intensity, varying from dim to almost blind in brilliance. Then again, these ghostly lights might dart across the desert or perform splits and mergers. Light colors are usually yellow-orange, 
but other hues including green, blue, and red are also seen. The Marfa mystery lights, MLs, usually fly above the desert vegetation, but below the background mesas. They really huh? have green and blue as well? <laughs> they do have green and blue as well, yes. Interesting. I know, it's quite bizarre. Speculation, as you would imagine, abounds regarding the cause of these mysterious desert disco balls. Some paranormal researchers claim that the balls are the lights... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Claim the balls are... Balls of light are embodiments of the spirits of the dead. I had a Michael moment. Oh my God! Someone shoot me. The the, the balls of the the, the lights of the 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 balls. <laughs> Anywho, they they claim that the balls of light are the embodiments of the spirit of the dead. Harold Oxley, professor of xenoarchaeology at the University of Chicago, theorizes they may be a byproduct of vortex manipulation by interdimensional vessels emerging not from space, but the space between spaces. Okay. Xenoarchaeology? Yeah, what the fuck is that? Xenoarchaeology is the study of alien arts and cultures. <laughs> And so in the same way that we have sort of uh, the archaeological – I know archaeology makes you think that it's archaic, but it actually relates to their cultures in the same way that we have, like, anthropologists. It It is a real thing. Uh, Xenoarchaeology okay. does exist, to answer okay. your, your question. Okay. I, I'm I will convinced. read a definition if you would prefer. No, no, no. Okay. I believe you. But yes, it's weird. It's a lot of the people who speculate for like uh, writing manuals on how to deal with alien life are xenoarchaeologists because they assume that they have some form of familiarity with what culture must be like out in the ether somewhere, which is an interesting thought in and of itself, right? I chose the wrong major. Shit. Well, it's never too late to go to school for another 10 years, Michael. Oof. Sign me up. I have nothing else better to do with my life. He can PhD. study deeper if you want him yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Uh, okay. Did I uh, quench your uh, curiosity there sufficiently, Michael? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, I believe all right. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Uh, researcher William Miller of Texas A&M says he's heard myriad guesses about the light's origins, ranging from the assumed car lights, water vapor, trapped swamp gas, which is the good old you know <laughs> UFO crap mm -hmm. from previous uh, ventures, or other atmospheric phenomena. Did they not say weather balloon? I feel they like did that's not also say weather balloon. That would be an a that would actually be the alien vessel as opposed to just vortexes opening up to let things through. So that that's fair. If it's not swamp gas, it's a weather balloon. So that's indeed, that's, yeah, mm. bastards. <laughs> but regardless of the conjecture, no clear answer has ever been definitively offered or substantiated. And over a hundred years, that's fairly interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The and first cow. sighting of the lights was in 1883, when a young cowhand named Robert Reed Ellison saw a mysterious dancing light as he was driving his cattle through the plains, and was so spooked that he told everyone in town about it, which is... I believe at that time would have been five people. <laughs> is 1883 bullshit? That is not bullshit, no. That is the actual year. I feel like you've made us all slap happy by saying there's so many. Right. Oh, yeah, no, I, I feel like he did that on purpose. It is absolutely intentional. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can tell you, you have missed four already. So. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> well, Strong shit. start, guys. Strong uh, start. There was Ooh, more yeah. than one street light 
in the Martha's town. Martha's in a town. Uh, <laughs> his a name wasn't nine was not miles Spangler. east. It was nine miles north. Uh, <laughs> the arsonist had oddly shaped feet. He wasn't a cow hand. He was a a wrangler. I don't. Um. Do you do you want to actually uh, put no. that on the record, uh, Courtney? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You you have to repeat it though. Um. There's more than one streetlight in the town. That one. No, that one's is that one is absolutely Spangler. <laughs> the Spangler one. Yes. Not true. And what about that would be not true? And oh that's my not God. his name. It's bullshit. All of it. Um, it is a name. But it's Oswald not his Spangler name. Spangler is a person. That is, in fact, a person's name. Is it from Ghostbusters? Uh, that would be Egon Spangler. Different. I was close. I was but just shooting close. in the dark there. <laughs> if you're borrowing from something, I assume I'm, it's I'm Ghostbusters. I'm trying to be so. kind, so I'm going to give it to you. But um, Oswald Spangler is not a noted paranormal investigator. I believe he's actually a Holocaust denier. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me pull this I mean, up those just people so are that fucking it, oh, awful, just for the record. But He is really? a German historian and philosopher of history whose interests included mathematics, science, and art, and other relation things critical of history uh anyway um okay so no on the record and make it fun that he's a holocaust denier because he's german (laughs) that's very random (laughs) Uh, oh here we go spangler predicted that uh about the year 2000 western civilization would enter a period of pre-death emergency whose countering would lead to roughly 200 years of caesarism extra constitutional omnipotence of the executive branch of the central government before western civilization's final collapse so he's a wing nut i'm just not sure that he's uh the other but his notable idea is the decline of western civilization so ah, okay 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 but he's not right. a paranormal investigator which uh, is the reason i used spangler is that uh, egon spangler is a paranormal investigator oswald is not Okay. Congratulations, Courtney. Is a wild stab. You managed to to pull one out of the ether. Woohoo! There you go. <sighs> okay. Ooh. So back to 1883 when Robert Reed Ellison was saw the the dancing lights and went to tell everybody back in the in the town. Since Ooh. then, farmers, World War II servicemen, not from Australia, oh mind you, they were too concerned Darn with it. emu, <laughs> uh, and high school sweethearts have reported seeing pulsating, colorful balls. Ooh. Of, of light, of beautiful light. Oh, yes. bouncing balls, <laughs> uh, pulsating, pulsating, colorful. This was a pulsating, colorful balls. <laughs> uh, along an uninhabited stretch of prairie southeast of Marfa, known as the Paisano Pass. Hey, Paisano. Uh, <laughs> I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Uh, Damn the actor near killed her. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. No. Uh, the actor James Dean was rumored to be so obsessed with the lights that he kept a telescope in his Marfa hotel room during the filming of the movie Giant in 1956. Bullshit. Not bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> the look on John's face. <laughs> Today, on clear nights as the sun sets, people from all over the world descend on the roadside Marfa Lights viewing area near this one-horse town and stare out across the desert scrub towards the Chinati Mountains in hopes of catching a glimpse of this bizarre phenomenon. But perhaps no one is more familiar with the Marfa Lights than James Bunnell, 
The retired, I like, I gave him a Texas uh, accent, and he's a retired NASA aerospace engineer who grew up in the area. Well, okay, he does have a Texas accent then. All right. Uh, He attended Marfa High School and then returned in the year 2000 to witness a shocking light display for which I could find no reasonable explanation. Before that, what was the mascot from Marfa High School, if you know? I have no clue. I feel like they should be something for well, like I feel like I can pull an orb up. Yeah. Where the Marfa orbs? The fighting <laughs> tumbleweeds. Uh, I believe they are called the slippery sloppers. Uh, is in point of fact their, Let's see. their real name. Let's see if it actually even pulls up anything. The Marfa Shorthorn. <laughs> well, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> it's not my proudest fap, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's a far cry from the fucking Stanford tree, so we're better than that. (laughs) You're right there. (sighs) All right. During the next 12 years, Bunnell set out on a scientific mission from God uh, to investigate and solve the mystery of the Marfa lights. He installed 10 wide-spectrum and infrared cameras on neighboring ranches, poured through footage of the lights' movement, and hoped to understand their patterns. No patterns emerged, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler, no patterns. (laughs) Four books later, in which he enumerated the fact in a very Chuck Klosterman-like fashion that there are no patterns, uh, Bunnell has a few theories involving how the Earth's underground friction produces an electromagnetic light show above the Marfa Plains, but no definitive evidence or proof that answers his original question, What the heck are them things? <laughs> you, Janus. <laughs> you, Janus. You farted right in my Marfa light. <laughs> like a Marfa transplant. <laughs> oh, so for all their mystery, the Marfa lights somehow make sense here. Uh, Perched nearly a mile high in the desert, the sweeping plains that stretch away from Marfa's two main streets have long served as a stage for arts and the surreal. Marfa's unlikely transformation from a sleepy ranching outpost to a desert chic oasis for contemporary creatives began in 1971, when Donald Judd, an artist and minor minimalist, or major major minimalist, a major artist minimalist or an art major minimalist? He's an artist and major minimalist. Oh, okay. That I makes perfect sense I feel like there's quicker to ways to say he gets no pussy. <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's an amateur philatelist. Oh, okay. <laughs> he relocated from New York City to Glorious Marfa. Uh, he acquired the town's decommissioned World War II army base, filled two old artillery sheds with more than 100 pieces of art, and scattered 15 giant concrete box art installations in a lonely pasture. <laughs> Why did he not just throw a monolith up is my question. But there has oh, to be bullshit in there somewhere, and I'm just too How lazy. How did he to, get a decommissioned no military nope. base? Was Nary it just bullshit. on the auction? I'm fairly certain it was probably just sitting unoccupied because this is the 70s, and World War II was a couple years before that. And no one's living in here. If I, you know, live here, I can call a what is it? The law, like um, your improvisational skills are remarkable. Squatters' rights. 
Yes, is thank that what you're you, going for? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I think oh. it's again the town's like of two thousand people, so I'm fairly certain if there are structures there, they have probably long been abandoned and are just sitting there, you know, becoming dilapidated more and more as the days progress. So the first thing that I'm noticing, just a quick sidebar about mm-hmm. sober casting with Michael, is that when you try and crush his soul, you can see it in his eyes now. As opposed to it being already dead from just the alcohol. Exactly. Yeah, he, yeah. he can't fuck the pain away. So that alone, <sighs> I'm going to give a Sobercast 9 to 10. <laughs> just wait until you re-listen. That, that, that's all I'll say. We're Do more... you know me? <laughs> <laughs> We're more lucidly vindictive. That's See, this is how I am my entire life, John. I get to watch people just be in pain all the time. And I appreciate every single second of it. This is why I drink. Because I'm usually the one in pain. So today... <laughs> it's sad, but it's true. I'm just going to motor right past that, because no. I don't care about your feelings. Oh, uh, a call for help? Let's keep going. <laughs> Next. Step back from that ledge, my friend. Or don't. What's that song called, Michael? What's it called? Who sings that it's, song? It's... Oh, well, it's obviously Third Eye Blind, and it's Jumper. Fuck me, he cleared it. <laughs> I I remember things when I'm sober. It's it's crazy. You know what's sad is that these days that is going to be featured on an oldies station and be considered classic rock for those of us who are now contemporary, you know, don't open adults. Up, don't open up this this can of worms because we'll just yeah. talk about payola for fucking six hours and how there's yeah. going to be no new songs on the radio forever. So I'm Ooh-y. sure Danny Cutler would argue that with us, John. But for sure. Yeah. Anywho, today Judd's 340-acre Chinati Foundation has inspired a slew of surreal desertscape art installations that seem to defy logic, such as Prada Marfa, a faux boutique filled with faux designer handbags and heels in front of a desolate field. That is not bullshit, just in case any of you want to take a stab, that for real is a <sighs> Further fuel was tossed on the fire of societal intrigue following a visit from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, led Whoa. by founding member Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers. The group arrived in Marfa in May of 1977 to conduct a series of rituals involving geomancy in the area. Ooh. Is, the, is the order being involved bullshit? In the, of, of the Golden it, Dawn, like them being around in general? Is that bullshit? I originally like heard Golden in Dawn. Texas? Um, <laughs> to your point, yes, that is bullshit. The order okay. does exist, however. They do exist. I just thought they were across the sea or the uh, ocean, rather. They, yes. They're England, I think, or doesn't, doesn't matter. Across the pond. So, I just um, listened yes. to a bunch of shit about Crowley. Crowley, Crowley, Crowley. Mm-hmm. and he's he's fucking involved. He is one of the founding members of the order, yes. But there are members all around the world, and there are actually individuals from the United States who are present in around the time. But um, the founding member, uh, Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers, was not present. Ooh, so, he's got there you two are. middle names. That's Boom. fancy. I got Indeed. one of 20 lies. Congratulations. Woo-hoo! We are now two down. Uh, a founding belief of the order revolves around Nethiscurial, which is a primal entity who had given birth to the stars at the beginning of time and who, according to an obscure tradition, would also devour them at its end. While in Marfa, 
Mathers, who we've proven is not there, but the other members of the order, conducted several rites at various sites in the desert surrounding the township, interpreting markings on the ground or the patterns formed by tossed handfuls of soil, rocks, or sand. Testing the area for vortexes through which Nethescurial could be manifesting into the earthly astral plane. Uh, the group left with little fanfare in August of that year. However, their presence at the site added a layer of intrigue to the growing mythology surrounding the quiet town's peculiar phenomenon. Before you ask Michael, I was going to say yes, uh, that is exactly what geomancy is, is they will take large handfuls of sand and throw it down. It's like t throwing bones in, in oh, some okay. of the more, like, you know, odd, obscurist sort of religions and cultures. They study sand and the geometric patterns that it forms as it falls. Well, when you're dry like a desert, gotta understand it. So. I also heard that geomancy also involves making boobs, because if we remember, boobs are just bags of sand. Indeed, yes. That is why they were employed in New Orleans so frequently in order to try to stop the flooding down there, hence <laughs> the bead initiative. <laughs> Mardi Gras is basically just an attempt to save New Orleans. <laughs> Why are you saying it like that? <laughs> New Orleans, okay? I'm sorry. New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans. No, you gotta, I'm not a tourist. I say it like everyone else. Nolens. Nolens, Nolens, Nolens. It comes from a French. It's derived from French, so like only half the syllables are pronounced. Nolens. If I had a sound effect for crickets, Michael, I would have inserted it right there. <laughs> the silence is good enough. I'm too lazy to add those. Hello, silence, my old friend. <laughs> Still a better cover than Disturbed. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, when Donald Judd began converting Marfa's abandoned buildings into galleries in the 70s, visitors began trickling in. And yet, were it not for 92-year-old Armando Vasquez, the legend of Marfa's mystery lights may never have spread beyond the Chinati Mountains. The first time I saw the lights was in 1971, and I was amazed. It seemed like a fairy tale, Vasquez said. Business in Marfa had been slow, and I could see the potential these lights could bring to our town. So, for the next 20 years, Vasquez began taking visitors from Marfa's two motels out to a dusty bluff at dusk to see the lights. For years, we didn't have anyone here except the people who wanted to see the lights, Vasquez says. I was afraid Marfa would turn out to be a ghost town, but this was very good because it helped to keep our town alive. Vasquez then petitioned the Marfa Chamber of Commerce to help promote the phenomenon for years, to no avail. Then in 1986, they finally organized the inaugural Marfa Lights Festival. 32 years later, the annual festival is still held every september and it now attracts thousands of spectators hmm. so here is a bit of debunking skeptic brian dunning notes that the designated view park for the lights a roadside park on the south side of u.s route 90 about nine miles east of marfa is at the site of marfa army airfield where tens of thousands of personnel were stationed between 1942 and 47, training American and Allied pilots. This massive field was then used for years as a regional airport with daily airline service. Since Marfa AAF and its satellite fields are each constantly patrolled by sentries, they consider it unlikely that any unusual phenomenon would remain unobserved and unmentioned. 
According to Dunning, the likeliest explanation is that the lights are a sort of mirage caused by sharp temperature gradients between cold and warm layers of air. Marfa is at an elevation of 4,688 feet, which is about 1,429 meters for our friends everywhere else on the planet. Not uh, using freedom units. Indeed. And it is above sea level. And temperature differentials of 40 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit, or 22 to 28 degrees centigrade, uh, between high and low temperatures are quite common. So there is our it's, uh, changes in micro changes in air density. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, you got me interested. In May of 2004, (laughs) I also like that they're saying, oh, yeah, in 1947, there were a bunch of people flying aircraft around here. They would have seen something like, sure, I I bet they did. But uh, if they wanted to be considered a crackpot, they could have been like, hey, did y'all see those lights that we had to dodge when we were landing? No? Okay, cool. I'm just going to go over here and get my straight jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You don't need to test me. I'm I'm flying straight and... Straight and narrow. I'm um, on the straight and narrow. Looking forward to that rubber room at the puzzle factory y'all are going to throw me into. Cool. Yes, thank you. Ooh-wee. All right. Uh, so in May of 2004, a group from the Society of Physics students at the University of Texas at Dallas. This is all for you, Michael. They mm. spent four days investigating and recording lights observed southwest of the view park using traffic volume monitoring equipment, video cameras, binoculars, and chase cars. Their report made the following conclusions. U.S. Highway 67 is visible from the Marfa Lights viewing location. The frequency of lights southwest of the view park correlates with the frequency of vehicle traffic on U.S. 67. The motion of the observed lights was in a straight line corresponding to U.S. 67. When the group parked a vehicle on U.S. 67 and flashed its headlights, this was visible at the view park and appeared to be a Marfa Light. Huh. Uh Uh-huh. That's not bullshit? That is not bullshit. Wow. This is what the physics kids did to ruin everybody's fun. (laughs) Michael. I love doing it. That's why I present episodes. And you're an expert at it. Very adept. Thank you. Uh, There is not a single ounce of fun that will survive you if you choose to actually pick up a head of steam someday, my friend. Hmm. A car passing the parked vehicle appeared as one of the Marfa lights passing another at the view park. Dogs are not allowed at At the the view view park. park. (laughs) Uh, They came to the conclusion that all the lights observed over a four-night period southwest of the view park could be reliably attributed to automobile headlights traveling along US-67 between Marfa and Presidio, Texas. But I want to believe... This has been... (laughs) traffic (laughs) uh there's also some nonsense about spectroscopic analysis if you're interested anybody got their uh you know gander up here no i mean i'm always interested in things that no one else is shut the um, fuck up michael i was gonna say for the interest of the episode we we well i'm talking this is my last paragraph so it's just i will include this as well if everyone is uh you know keen on hearing a little bit more yes give it to me all right so for 20 nights in <laughs> for some reason I'm like Arabia no. <laughs> so for 20 nights in May of 2008 scientists from Texas State University used spectroscopy equipment to observe lights from the Marfa lights viewing station they recorded a number of lights that could have been mistaken for lights of unknown origin but 
In each case, the movements of the lights and the data from their equipment could be easily explained as automobile headlights or small fires. <laughs> Wait, what? Small huh? fires? Apparently, there's just some people randomly camping out there, and then these temperature variants or something uh, are allowing it to, uh, you know, bounce up and move around. Oh, okay. That like vapor that. traveling. And uh, But yeah, that is what they attributed to. So, headlights or small fires. And that, friends and listeners, is what I have to present to you about the Marfa lights. But I do have another video that we will share during the after dark of some, uh, you know, college age kids going out and trying to study it from the roadway as well. And they discuss the fact that there is traffic that is moving in a certain direction, but there's no traffic where the lights are occurring. So, but again, these people are claiming that the lights are nine miles away and it's just hitting the atmospheric variant and that's causing these weird sort of reflections to happen. Well, I mean, the Earth is flat. Naturally. We know this to be true. Certainly. We verified that in previous episodes, yeah. I, I right. fell off the Earth one time. Just, I crept over the edge when I was sleeping. Mm -hmm. It was good times. But, uh, Michael, you're the physicist here. You've uh, you've studied changes in, in air temperatures and density, yeah? I, I mean, we've all seen mirages. We all live in the desert. So. It's a very fine point. Yeah. I mean, I also, I guess I brought that up at one point during the Flat Earth, but you no did. one cares or remembers that. Oh! Oh, no, I, I remember. Do. I remember. <laughs> I, I pay attention, sadly. Yes. For yeah. what little brain cells I'm able to salvage after hearing you, it's... Uh... Mm-hmm. It... I won't go into detail, because no one cares, but oh, it interested. sounds... Well, it sounds feasible. That's all I'll say. Okay. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the color gradient being in a uh, reddish or yellowish, orangish hue most of the time would make sense. I'm the, you know, now that I think of it, though, like the xenon, xenon mercury lights or whatever the heck that they have on weird things these days that have a whiter kind of bluish hue might explain some of the color change of the headlights as well. That's true. If you go from incandescent bulbs mm -hmm. to the, the very fancy cuts through everything, like, why do you have your fog lights on? I can't see in my rearview mirror. I'm going to drive into a wall now. Um, yeah, no, uh -huh. I can see that. We call those uh, serial killer headlights, I think. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, now that we have completed that, are there any additional stabs at my myriad lies? I don't have anything. Marfa's not in West Texas. It is, in fact, in West Texas. Uh, Other than that, it's nine miles east of Tech of Marfa. I, I, I don't. It that was on the I, YouTube video. That wasn't even. I was going to say. We've also, I've already debunked that lie with you, sir. It's not a lie. It's nine miles east of Marfa. I know. That's that's the only thing I have. All right. Okay. I thought you were hazarding it again. I'm sorry. No. No. I for forgive me, Michael. I, I, I do. All right. So moving on. Here we go. Uh, lie number one was, of course, the noted paranormal investigator Oswald Spengler. Well done, Courtney, for a blind stab in the dark. Uh, secondarily, we have uh, some paranormal researchers claim the balls of light are embodiments of the spirits of the dead. 
No one has said that. That is uh, nothing to do with anything here. Uh, That is related to orbs, which you commonly see when people are doing paranormal investigations, which is mostly, you know, dust particles in the air floating around a camera. But uh, Harold Oxley, by the way, is a character from Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Fucking Skull. (laughs) Ah! And uh, so the interdimensional beings uh, that are attributed to that uh, are by a fictional character. Uh, followed right on that, um, William Miller of Texas A&M is not a researcher. Uh, he's just a random gentleman that was uh, consulted for the sake of this article. So I just attributed what he said to a researcher from Texas A&M because it's in the same state. Uh, and But um, that also added to this because it's not just a cheap lie. In the list, water vapor and Trump, uh, trapped swamp gas are neither items that were attributed to being causes oh, of the Marfa lights. Huh. Okay. So no, that, that's, that's, I, I folded that in yeah. as one singular lie there. So that's not even yeah completing the myriad swings here. Uh, oh. So it's just car lights and uh, atmospheric phenomena is what they indicated they would refer to. Oh yeah, it's in a fucking desert. Why would there be swamp gas? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but I managed to skirt it by saying, "Oh, that old chestnut of uh, swamp gas that they use for UFO phenomena," and you and went I, with me, so I, I was happy. Bit. I was glad. I, that's the damn. old. Uh, that's the old liquid cheese on the pizza bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. So John caught the uh, the tip of the iceberg over here of saying that uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was not present. They were not present. Uh, a founding belief in the order revolving around Nethoscurial, a primal entity giving birth to the stars at the beginning of time. That has nothing to do with that. That is actually a Lovecraft myth uh, surrounding Azathoth. <laughs> as ah. we have from our, our previous excursions into Lovecraft oh, country. Oh, man. <laughs> Which also means that uh, no one conducted any rites at various sites throwing sand around, though that is, in fact, something that involves around uh, geomancy. Uh, it's uh, That was the other lie. So uh, no one conducted rites, tossing handfuls of soil, rock, etc., trying to find the vortexes for Nethoscurial to be manifesting into our astral plane. And finally, the group uh, leaving uh, in August of uh, 1977 and causing more intrigue around the phenomena. They were never there. Uh, they really didn't do anything. So... It's a, those were a cluster of lies together kind of uh, there, but I'm waiting for everyone to make acute stabs at the exact things that are incorrect. So that was the eight lies contained for this week's episode. Everything else is, uh, you know, true to them or the phenomenal. I guess that's all you really have, huh? That is everything that uh, is is fit for consumption at the present. I tried to keep it semi-short, you know, because it's a lot of info to impart. Nice. Yeah. There was, was so uh, much that was a lie. I feel like I know I know you probably wouldn't want to, but could you give like a 30 second or a minute like just you want the, the elevator truth? pitch? Absolutely. Yeah, that that's just the truth because I feel like everything was a lie. I don't so even know ins- the truth. Insulation. So, yeah. Since 1883, a collection of very odd sort of light uh, floating orbs are observed there. It's a phenomenon that has been frequently observed in that time frame. It has not been 
debunked officially, though there have been a slew of scientific studies that would indicate that from their findings, it is due to atmospheric changes in temperature and uh, those things catching and reflecting headlights from the highway that is close to this nine mile away sort of uh, zone. Okay. So by and large, all of the, the lights are commonly seen. People go there specifically to see them. All of the industry that sprung up in the town surrounding the lights, all that's true. So this is kind of, uh, you know, a, a small New Mexico town uh, trying to drag people in to see UFOs. Hmm. It's similar as small Texas town dragging people in to see weird atmospheric variations. Okay. But Dan Aykroyd believes it. So by God. I'm I was gonna, it must be true. I was going to say, that's the crossover, because you guys got me to listen to a few uh, few Rogans, and that was one of the episodes I listened to was Ackroyd's, and fun and guy. And bought all of his vodka. No, but Shane, you you mm-hmm. have some, right? Uh, Mo- I got some for Melissa for Valentine's Day that year, because uh, vodka is one of her favorite beverages. Did she already kill oh. the whole bottle in one uh, sip? We have cleared out an entire skull, yes. And uh, oh. we have two additional little mini skulls that we have bought for her to make other oh. mixes as well. So, uh, yes, nice. she absolutely recommends. It is pure and beautiful, and if you want to have an actual sales pitch, the first 20 minutes of the Ackroyd appearance on the Rogan podcast is purely him discussing how they make the vodka and why you should purchase it it's distilled yeah. over diamonds they Three do pour times. it over herkama diamonds yes yes mm-hmm. yeah I, I i've watched his pitch at least once or twice uh-huh it's a beautiful i've thing. also bought it myself it it's decent it's decent vodka i was gonna say your roommate also had a bottle that was autographed to him by mr Ackroyd, was it not yes yes that is very true mm-hmm. so there Courtney, we are. are you are you gonna drink the Ackroyd vodka uh I don't have plans to at this time, but if someone gives it to me, I am not opposed. You and I should look at what the cost of a bottle is, and I will split half half a bottle with you. Uh, it's about sixty dollars retail, I believe. Oh, if I remember it's correctly, not bad. Yeah, it's not that no, bad. I'm in for yeah. thirty, and then once it's uh, you know safer to do so after the rest of the crew is vaccinated, we can also just have like a good old Dan Aykroyd vodka party. Also, I mean, they don't add anything to it. There's no artificial flavors or sweeteners. I mean, they don't put any mixes in there. It's unadulterated. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is that it would go well in anything, but just on its own, chilled. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, it's great because, oh. you know, they take peaches and creamed corn from Ottawa, Ontario, and then they yeah. just, you know, put it into a vat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they use this glorious glacier water that they have up there in, in Canada. The fabled Please Canada's. sponsor us. Please sponsor us. Dan Eckert, I love you. And I don't even drink alcohol, but your pitch was so damn good that I bought it for somebody else just to substantiate your claims. And she said it was delicious. So I'm going to go with you. I mean, we have a big listenership so it would be fantastic if we could get Dan Aykroyd on the show to just talk about Mm -hmm. his vodka. And he can even turn it into an episode. He can, you know, come up with some lies. We can try and suss them out. It It would be fun. Plus, I mean, also, if you're on a ketogenic diet, I mean, it's a wonderful drink for you. Uh, it's Very a really true. good idea. And uh, there's, you know, nothing there. to. I heard you can also light it on fire pretty easily. So even if you're trying to, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, slay an enemy, you could probably just <laughs> douse them in that and then light them on fire. Or literally burn the calories while you sleep. Yeah. I would say it may even be good for people who listen to this show when Michael presents. Take, yeah. a, take a shot of that delicious, delicious vodka every time I say something. Straight up. Because you'll want to re- you'll want to forget it. Yeah, yeah. certifiably. 
All right, then. I think that's a beautiful way for us to just fumble our way out of this. But friends, listeners, we are always thrilled to have you here. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to enjoy a bit of nonsense with us. It, it you know, warms our, the cockles of our dead little hearts. And we appreciate you. We also have got content for days. It's coming out of our ears and into our other orifices, which is kind of Ooh. disgusting. But, you know, what are you going to do? You can find us on the Tubes of You every wonderful Wednesday and fucking fantastic Friday where we give you fan fiction <gasps> and disinform after dark where we're going to decompress from this episode, have a good old time and talk about vodka a little bit more. It's going to be great. <laughs> But also, if you're digging what you hear on this glorious little podcast, a brand new episode flees every single marvelous Monday from your preferred provider app. So give us a subscribe. And in fact, you should also comment. Tell us what you think about the show. Let us know if you like it or you hate it or you're going to send live bees to Michael. Again, we are running a special where if you leave a like and a subscribe and a comment on any of our platforms, Courtney and I will send you Michael's address. To do with as you will. Well, even I'm upping the ante this week. We'll let you know his schedule so that you know <laughs> when he'll be home, when he won't be home. If you want to leave him a little surprise, or if you want to take a uh, what was that guy? Guys, BTK note and just kind of hide in the closet the entire time he's home and just wait for the opportune moment to pop out. So let us know. Yeah, what you're saying is we can uh, you can stock Michael like a Safeway shelf at 2:30 in the morning. Yeah, it's for a sure. beautiful thing. Don't know why you would. If you think he's incoherent when he's awake, he should hear me <laughs> when I'm not on air. Now I've just got someone looming over Michael's bed in my head in like a sinister way. It's just holding the little video camera doing the... <laughs> <laughs> All right. I kind, of, I kind of imagine Michael sleeping uh, like a dog. You know, like letting out the little like... <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I, I have the puppy dreams. <laughs> he I, does the little I circles and then lays down. Apparently, uh, so I'm a I'm a I'm a big spoon kind of uh, you know cuddle cuddle guy. Grab them sandbags, and I yeah I like to grab sandbags when I'm sleeping. But apparently, when like I'm in deep sleep, falling asleep, like my hands will twitch. So she's like, yeah, most of the time when you're cuddling me, if your hands on my tit, I have to you know push you away because you'll start accidentally like, grabbing my tit super super hard in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. <laughs> Yeah, Been I was there, like, I don't mean that, to. I'm just fun. comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I've never had that problem with you when we sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I respect you. <laughs> it's also probably because my tits are numb, so I can't really be helped. But uh, speaking of numb tits, you can also find us on uh, you know your preferred social networking platforms and just avoid it like the plague once you've identified where we live. So uh, if you happen to have a Facebook page, we're at facebook.com slash disinformedpodcast. Over on the Instagrams, we are at disinformedpodcast. And on the Twitters, we are at disinformedpod. So please flee. Run while you still can, because, dear God, it's spreading, and we can't stop it. Uh. Yes, and I believe that is going to wrap up the hate burrito that is this week's episode. And so, for my dear friends here at the Disinformed Podcast, I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. So long, and good Marfa. So long, and good Marfa. Marfa. That's my mother's name. <laughs> Marfa! Marfa! <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>